0: Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, maybe the first exception to that intro, Kevin Drew from the band Broken Social Scene is on the show, who's insistent that he was never that into punk, but uh, we, we clear it up. We clear it up in the course of the episode. This is one of the best ones ever. Ever, but more on that in a second. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can head over to DamienAbraham.com. Uh, gonna be an overhaul on that thing soon, but uh, for the meantime, head there. There's an email address there. You can send me some emails. You can also find past episodes of the show there. Uh, if you uh, would like to get in touch with me in the immediate, you can find me on various forms of social media. My name on that is Left for Damien, Left for Dead, but Damien, and that's F O R, not the number four. Uh, And if you want to get on Facebook and get in touch with the show, there is a Turned Out of Punk Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham. You can send him a message. He'll get the message to me. We talk a lot. We're going to be talking a lot more over the next few weeks because it's the holidays. This is the holiday episode, I guess. Yay, kind of. I don't know. Anyway, send him a Facebook message. If you don't use Facebook, like myself, you can find the same stuff that we post on Facebook over there on the Tumblr site that we have. Uh, I think it's turnedatapunk.tumblr.com. And there's lots of stuff that we post up there. that gets sent into the show, some other cool stuff, ephemera, photos, whatnot. And, uh, yeah, that's it. If you'd like to support the show, the best way of doing that is by heading over to iTunes, hitting the subscribe button. Writing review, rating this thing. If you don't use iTunes, you can tell your friends about it and you can support the show by spreading the word. You know, do whatever you need to do to spread the word about this show. And that's a great way to support us. But if you do use iTunes, write a review, we'll give this thing a rating because that helps. Speaking of helping, the good folks at Vans have come on board and are helping me out by, you know, helping me not going into debt doing the show anymore. So I'd like to thank everyone at Vans for doing that. Uh, I don't. Have to book certain guests. I don't have to, you know, tell you guys to fill out surveys or to uh, buy a mattress or you know any number of other things that you have to be told to buy. Uh, they just want me to keep doing the show. So thank them uh, very much if you want, and uh, if not, I'm going to do it for you. Thank you very much to the people at Advance for doing that. I guess on to today's show. Today on the show, it's a uh, holiday miracle. Because I've been trying to get this guy on the show for, like, I don't know, since this thing started. Today on the show, Kevin Drew from the band Broken Social Scene is on the show. This is a doozy. This is an amazing episode. It's a longer one. I could have gone even longer, but we had to cut it short. There's so much good shit in this episode. There's so much good stuff. There's, like, uh, I don't know, the stuff about Kevin wrestling. Not Kevin wrestling, I shouldn't say. But Kevin working with the WWE. E or F at the time at the end is awesome. There's a lot of great stuff in this episode. So I'm not going to blather on too much more about it, but I do have some corrections. We couldn't remember Adam Scott's name. And I think we say that he's from community, but it was Parks and Rec. You'll, you'll understand when you get to that part. A uh, hopscotch is the music festival. We could not remember for the lives of us in North Carolina, an amazing music festival. And we call Bradford Cox, Brandon Cox. Uh, we were a little high. Okay, I was high. Kevin might have had a contact high, but he didn't smoke any weed, so, you know, I I doubt he had a contact high. He just fucked up, but I I can blame mine on cannabis. (laughs) That's—just kidding. Uh, This is good. All right, everyone, sit back. Relax. Oh, and I guess I before we before I let you drift off into this, I should also say that there are other podcasts in the podcast family. This week we were going to have episodes of all of them. This week there will be a brand new turned out of punks ep- uh, turned out punks turned out a punk footnotes episode coming out, featuring myself, Chris O'Toole, David Up, and Dave Martin. We bring in the whole team together for a special year end wrap up of. Turned Out a Punk footnotes. Also, there'll be a brand new Oil and Flowers hosted by myself and Buddha Blaze, or hosted by Buddha Blaze and myself, I should say. And uh, that's it. All right. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy Kevin Drew on Turned Out a Punk. <laughs> Not back from the reporter, I just put in my suitcase and hope for the best. And nobody checked? No one checked. Well, they might have checked. The craziest thing about it is it's not even just that it's wrapped in barbed wire. Is that you can see there's like blood on the handle and there's like blood on the barbed wire. Like it's an actual like battle used. Where, where, where did you get that? There's a store in Japan called Totokan. And it's like, it's like the, like a museum, like the, you know, it's like, a, it's like a museum, but you can buy everything. Like everything's for sale, but they have like Ricky Dozan's passport, like, uh, like like the rocks, ring gear. Or they have like wrestlers' ring gear that they wore in the ring. A lot of Japanese stuff, and then every wrestling magazine ever, every wrestling DVD, rare shirts and stuff like that. How, how does how does one? Do you just put the barbed wire bat in your suitcase. I wrapped it in a towel. This towel right here, in fact. And uh, and then I'll
1: you. Oh my receipts! There <laughs> go all your receipts. <laughs> I got to bring um,
0: those to the office later
1: on. And then you
0: you, I just love to see the border agent. I would have loved to see it. I had my whole argument laid out. What was it? It's like, this is an artifact? When he was like, this is a weapon, I'd be like, this is not a weapon, sir. It's a prop used in professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, You know, but luckily, I even called Lauren because I'm like, hey, Lauren, uh, she was going to pick me up from the airport. I'm like, you might want to hang back because I might get detained (laughs) because I'm bringing a barbed wire back. Across the border. And she's like, okay, fine. And then I, I would
1: have loved to have seen that. Any uh, booze boozer alcohol gifts? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Just uh, What is this, sir? You didn't say barbed wire yeah. bat. You didn't explicitly say specifically say, say barbed you said, wire
0: bat. You said weapons that included mace and like switchblades, but you yeah. didn't say you bat. Barb, this is a piece of art actually. Uh well good for you. Well Kevin, you're now on Out of Punk. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I've wanted this to happen for so long, dude. I, I think I was in denial because of the title of the podcast. I, I just didn't feel like I belonged here. So I know, which is funny because, as we're going to get to, all of what you do as as Kevin Drew, the king of indie rock. I think it's fair to say Canada's king of indie rock. Really? Yeah. I'm, who, who, else, who else would you take give that crown to? I don't know. Yeah. Who? None. No one. But you are rooted as all indie punk indie music is in punk rock so we're going to find that out but Kevin before we get there i got to ask you one question okay how'd you get into punk do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre punk
1: well you know my
0: parents are English and I you know
1: we had a we had massive my dad had a vinyl collection of records and I always I, I'm sorry but it was the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. because no, I just they're, it, it they're my was favorite. pink and it was green and yeah. I was a kid and uh you, you relied on the elders vinyl collection to 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 figure out what you were into and i remember just out of all the records that was the the brightest and the and had the most colors as a child i was like this is very colorful <laughs> and uh putting it on as as we were slowly getting out of children's music it still had a children's music aspect to it mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun and if you think about it they really were uh, kids band and
0: there's naughty words it's like it's. Aggressive. I didn't even know that then though no really no I was very very young okay. I just knew that it was fun that's all I knew it's funny when you think about it, like your dad's from England right mm-hmm. you know uh, that's where I got my first Sex Pistols that's where I first heard Punk through my dad's Sex Pistols record there you go you know as well so like your dad my dad mm-hmm. Sebastian's dad mm-hmm. all kind of cool British guys that were into music <laughs> I
1: think it had to be because look yeah. at the the scene that was going. I mean, my dad's seen Eddie Cochran live. He's seen Cream live. He's seen Hendrix live. Like, you had that for you. Yeah. Uh, being in London, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, he was he was down in Brighton as well, and it's just that was such an ex- incredibly historical. But it, for them at that time, being young, what what a time!
0: Mm-hmm. Oh but it's God. crazy to think that who shows. My dad was there. Your mm. dad was there, and mm-hmm. Sebra's dad was all there. Yeah, <laughs> we're all at different Who shows because my dad was in uh, Portsmouth, uh, you know. But but they all like you know. There's a chance they were in the same room at some time. That might have happened, you know. And here we all are, later years later. I know, in our forties, talking about it. Yeah. Well, I'm not forty yet. You're you? not. No. <laughs> you bastard. What am I doing here? <laughs> Welcome to the Children's Hour with Damien <laughs> Abraham. I'm only 27. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You've done so well for yourself I tell ya, since high school. Just telling tell it. I started fucked up when I was like 13, I think. I know. And just like I'm, I'm having problems doing the math right now in my head because I'm still so young and I'm not good with numbers yet. No, you don't need to be. You're, no. uh, you got a phone. Your so phone look, yeah, will tell I'm you like, what to do. I'm like one of these young kids. I don't know any about any of this. Calculation?
1: Creep. What's yeah. calculation?
0: I don't even know what these disks that are surrounding us are even. I just buy them I, for the
1: art. Do people really paint the picture when they come here of what where they are? Some people do. I mean, we are surrounded by cassette. <laughs> Hats, records, seven inches, hats, shoes, uh, packaged action figures slash paraphernalia. My my, bro- my brother buttons, Pampers. No, that uh,
0: Pampers box is full of records. Of course it is. Excuse me. I apologize. You can uh. always wrap your kids in vinyl. Yeah, like you know, your kids can carry more records. That's, your kid, that's I, what you have. I with.
1: believe that's probably why you have three kids now, so they can help you carry your shit everywhere. Because
0: this is this is good. Like the, Your button collection alone, I'm very, that's, very... That's actually Lauren's button collection. Oh, good for her. Yeah, that's, that's her. That's fantastic. I really sucked the joy of collecting out of her by being around me and seeing... I'm sure you did. ...the depths that it can reach. She was like, uh... But before we met, or before we started living together, she was quite the collector as well. Um, but Collecting.
1: Now, you, we were talking about that earlier. Kind of like addiction.
0: Kind of like an addiction. Total but, addiction.
1: Yeah. But you know you want to be addicted to something music
0: that's mm-hmm. that's pretty incredible that's a very i think healthy addiction it can be but mm-hmm. as you know it can also like we've got friends that you know you can end up throwing your life away chasing a dream in music what what is that dream We're, well like to 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 like Play to a receptive audience oh. that loves you. You know, like yes. you, you and me, and I'm putting myself in here. Obviously, fucked up, no broken social scene, but like you know, but we've experienced broken social scene, no fucked up. But we've yeah, but exactly, but we've both been lucky enough to mm-hmm. experience people that like our music mm-hmm. coming to see us, and that's like mm-hmm. there's so many bands because I played in a lot of them in high school where people go and see you and they just don't like you, and you can have a whole career where people just don't ever get into what you're doing. Yeah, I think in anything you do. Cool. Depressing.
1: Eh, it's a fact of life. I mean, don't focus on that. Focus if- on the fact that if that's what you want to do, go and do it. You do it for the passion, and everything else comes after. And if you're lucky enough, and you put yourself in the right room with the right people, and you have that little bit of magic that that aligns the
0: you know the world with what you're doing, the universe with what you're doing, then it, it, it does work out. But imagine you took all those hours in all those jam spaces, not. You know, if your band catches mm-hmm. on, but I mean, if it doesn't, and you would apply them to, say, being an electrician, yep. or being a plumber, Yeah. you would be an amazing plumber and rewarded yep. for the hours that you put in do what you, to your do, study. Do what you yeah. want to do. But it's not the same in music. You know, like, there's a possibility that you could never be rewarded for all the effort you put into it, and all the sacrifice you put into it. Yeah, well... Man, we've gotten what way what off topic. At, know what you're good at. Leave it to you to derail, turn out of the punk, so hey. I don't even get to talk about punk.
1: Well, look to just wrap that conversation up. I think you, you, you know, you've got to, you've got to know what you want to do. You do, and 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 I think the most dangerous people out there are the people that don't have a passion. Mm-hmm. You you should have a passion, mm. and, and whatever that is, whether it's embroidering or, you know, bowling or or real estate or, you know, whatever. You just you, you want to go mountain climbing, go mountain climbing. You want to rock out, rock out. The expectations surrounding that, if you're following a historical stereotype of wanting that need, then you're not living an honest life. So we can't uh, represent or speak for all those who are doing this for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone I've known who's done it for the right reasons is still doing it. And their success is based on their own personal
0: aspect of what they get out of doing it. You still feel that you meet a lot of people in this industry that are doing it for the right reasons? Because I would say one of the reasons you're one of my favorite people in this business that I've gone to meet is because I really believe that you believe in what you're doing with your whole heart in a mm-hmm. way that I think a lot of people I've come across in this business
1: don't. I did get jaded and I've been surrounded by too much business, too much big business in the last uh, years, few years of my life. and And it's it's important and i understand it but the whole corporate takeover aspect now to what is going on um it's difficult to be around as an artist and obviously owning the label and my lady works really hard and in the business as well and just seeing it from all kinds of points of view uh and everything that's going on with the cultural turnaround in the music industry is a man's industry a lot of the time it it it, it's uh it's not the greatest taste in your mouth. There there needs to be a shift again. Um, but unfortunately, it is it is a business, which means the dollar is at the end of the day, in one area, the the be-all and end-all. If you remove yourself from that, which you can, and you live your, like I said, you live your own life and you create yourself within art, you find the ones who are doing it not for the dollar, they're doing it for the art and the passion, and they have an understanding of the dollar, which was what Arts and Crafts was really really good at, is that we really embraced, as a label, the idea that we know that this is for the reasons of art, and this is a passion, this is great, but at the same time, we want to feed you, we want to feed your families, we understand that we have to figure out a way how to make the artist a living. And, of course, it's gotten more and more difficult from since since the label started, but I always felt we were really responsive to that as a label to the idea of but a lot of the times we also said okay welcome leave your expectations at the door because the expectation factor and that goes down to the histor- historical stereotypes or just those who are seeing you know someone do, I mean people weren't my grandmother said this to me once people weren't good things happening to them and it doesn't and it's very difficult to understand why and I've been on that side of the fence a lot even though I've had so much success in what I've wanted to do um, I've still felt the knee scrapes and the ditches and I, I've still talked to many people's parents about why this is not working for their their son or daughter, the artist and, and uh, it's difficult that's why I kind of, for a while there and, and I want to get back at it I really enjoyed trying to help people but it also, it stung a lot because a lot of the times it didn't work out to the way that they wanted and that kind of falls on you and that was starting to weigh me down. Like in 2009, 2010, I was just starting to get, you know, trying to help out friends and, because I love their music. First mm-hmm. and foremost, it's just if I love something, I love it. But the aspect of uh, things not working, which is mainly more than things working, mm-hmm. uh, that's tough. Yeah. Because popularity should never determine someone's worth ever. And there's so many incredibly talented I have so many incredibly talented uh friends and musicians out there that don't have the rewards of many others, but that doesn't mean anything to me. That does not mean they're not deserving of it or that they're not in the same they don't belong in the same room. And that's an unfortunate aspect in that sort of cool popular Aspect and I feel it too when I'm around bands. And we're
0: moving, I think, more to a populist. Well, yeah, we are, we aren't. and so like we are, and that's the most the dangerous cr- thing. That's and the happening. critical sphere is eroded. Yeah, you know, and like, and it's just now, you know, it's like Rotten Tomatoes. It's like the best film is the one that gets the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like, yeah. well, there's challenging films that take sometimes a long time for people to come around to before mm-hmm. they can appreciate No,
1: that's that. gone. That's gone. No, you, d- you don't. You, you, look, I got 30 seconds. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? It's not like, okay, I got 10 minutes. What do you got for me now? It's like, I have 30 seconds. Are you intriguing me or are you not? And um, that's fine. That's where the people go. That's where that's, I'm sorry, but that's robotic. That is following a trend and that is lemmings almost, you know, and we are all part of that. But we also are self-aware enough to know that, whoa, whoa, we have to catch ourselves sometimes. Mm-hmm. You need to take time in this life. Holy shit. Do we have to quote Ferris Bueller? <laughs> you know? Do we have to do this on your show? <laughs> you need to take time. You need to breathe. You know how people don't breathe? And I know this is not a self-help
0: podcast, but for Christ's sake. It, it is kind of a self-help podcast because, uh, believe me, if, if we hadn't found this music... Where would we be? Exactly. Let's get you back. Know. That was a really nice comeback. I'm a professional you know uh, broadcaster. You know <laughs> <laughs> I hosted The Wedge until <laughs> <laughs> I ran into the ground and they canceled it on me. <laughs> that wasn't your fault. <laughs> no
1: way. <laughs> Don't take on Canadian television. <laughs> I can
0: take on all of it. I'm going to take it on do all Don't do it. Um, but So where did you kind of go from that Sex Pistols record? So you hear this as uh, a young kid. I okay. I guess to stay in the punk world, I was trying to think about we, this. Stuff. All music, all music,
1: uh, all music. Well, it... I, I mean, my my, my babysitter—I can't remember his name. My my brother and I's first babysitter at Christmas, um, and this was before the Sex Pistols. We were given—he uh, got us two re- records, and it was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band* and it was *Dirty Deeds*. Oh, whoa! So one was kind of like a children's album, and then one was a, nothing I ever heard before. And I also never had a record that wasn't sort of Ann Murray's Hippo in My Tub or, <laughs> you know, Raffi the Magic Dragon, yeah. Raffy. Oh, yeah. Of course, I went to Raffy's shows. <laughs> yeah. Um So I was just kind of like, this is incredible. And I remember my parents got a real kick out of my brother and I singing big balls for them. And they would bring their <laughs> friends downstairs and say, do the big balls song, because we thought it was, I thought it was tennis balls and <laughs> soccer balls and basketballs and stuff. I didn't know that when we were singing, we got the biggest balls on the mall, and they were laughing. I thought we were just putting on a great <laughs> show. But those bastards were tricking us into something. Um, but from there, when we were able to go, I remember my parents taking us to Sherway Gardens. I believe it was it was either Music World in Etobicoke, mm-hmm. which was just off of Bloor, Bloor and Dundas there, right by Kipling Station. That was a major record store I went to. And then Sherway Gardens, you had Sam the Record Man, and a, was it A&A hey. Records? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want yeah. to Sherway until
0: much later. Well, we were there, but... I'm uh, from the East End.
1: <sighs> it might have not... Gardens might not have been around yet. They might have still been building it, but yeah. but, but my brother bought... My parents took us and said, okay, you can go and get a, a vinyl, and my brother bought Parallel, Parallel Lines by Blondie, and I bought Crime of the Century by Supertramp because that song Dreamer I would hear <laughs> on the radio, and I thought that was kind of like a kid's tune. So How
0: old were you at this point? I was... <sighs> This is before the Sex Pistols, right? So you would been like.
1: Yeah, this. No, I. I, I think by the time I, when we went out and purchased vinyl, I had heard the Sex Pistols. Okay. So, I mean, we we the, the the Pink Floyd "Dark Side of the Moon" was a massive record for me because um, my parents used to warn me when they were putting it on because of the first song, and I'd be like, "No, not the clock song where the woman's <laughs> screaming." So as I got older, I tried to build you know, resistance to this tune, like be fearless when they put on dark side so they say, Kevin, we're going to be putting on dark side of the moon. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm cool. And then the clocks would start and I would start to say, and then the woman like, ah, ah, I run upstairs and dive under my bed, like turn it off. It was Pink Floyd. They scare the shit out of me. So Pink Floyd terrified me as a child. But I, I think, um, I guess I would have to say, you know, the clash was where I went next. Okay just because I never heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. And someone turned me on to them and, and then Where'd even you hear them the jam. Mean, huh? Well, The Clash, I think should I, st- I think Comeback Rock was out and I just heard them on the radio. Yeah, because like, Should
0: I Say, Should I Go was kind of like a radio it was big. hit.
1: It was big. And then I started going back. Yeah. You know, at, at like seven, eight years old. I was like, what's going on with this? And, um, and what's interesting was, was that, uh, I got into Jesus and Mary Chain when they first came out like my brother raised me on he was Zeppelin, he was Cream and Cleans Clearwater and James Brown and he was going into all that all the stuff of the past and so he, I wanted to have my own identity so I was looking to new things and of course it was, you know you heard Sunday Bloody Sunday mm-hmm. and, and I heard this song called Ceremony one time I don't know how I did it and it was New Order. Were you listening to The Edge at all? Like, did you? Um, you uh, no, I was listening to 680, okay. Chum, <laughs> yeah. which I, I loved, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was I was a pop kid, for yeah. sure. But,
0: but, like, I mean, like, where would you be hearing Ceremony, like, if not on well, there? Well, I, I, you know, I think Babysitters.
1: Like, I had a okay, lot of cool, yeah. like, I, I, I focused on what the older kids were listening yeah. to. And in grade four, I think I heard Just Like Honey, and I never heard anything like mm-hmm. it. And in grade five, I went and bought uh, Barbed Wire Kisses. And by this point, I was already... Were there other I, kids in grade five that were into
0: Jesus Mary uh,
1: The older kids were. Okay. And, you know, and I remember hearing Age of Consent by New Order when I was listening to, I don't know, Never Ending Story or something <laughs> like that, and, and, and getting into uh, all kinds of pop music. And I remember hearing that song and thinking, what is this? And then when you find out who's New Order... F- like, who's a New Order fan? You clearly, it was like, well, who's a Depeche Mode? I, I kind of went to a place where you're either a Depeche Mode fan or you're a New Order fan. You couldn't be
0: both. Really? Yeah, no, you couldn't. It's like the Sex Pistols and the Clash of 80s yeah. synth pop. Well, you just... Or, or synth. And, and,
1: and the Depeche Mode kids, I thought, were more Gone. fashiony yeah. and, and and it was lighter. Whereas the New Order kids were more there was making out in the rain and heartbreak and all these things that i so badly wanted to know about at that age i was like oh my god because i was a child of john hughes yeah you know and 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 um my parents were they did really well they my mother you know came from a, a very uh working class english family and my dad i think he came from a—I really, you know he was in london my mother was in essex and and they worked very hard. And they provided my brother and I with a great lifestyle. But slash we were rich kids in my eyes. Yeah. And I grew up seeing all the rich kids were the enemies in yeah. all the films I was watching. I was like, oh, my God. I,
0: this is terrible.
1: You know? So, yeah. So you, you, you don't want to be a villain. So you find the the ones that are on the outside. And, and the ones on the outside, I loved them. and And I was... I was a, a Walkman child. Like I just, I, I wanted to have a soundtrack to every moment in my life, <laughs> and and that's why I was so obsessed with instrument instrumental music.
0: So, it's both your parents? Because like you love music. Like that's what I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Like you love music in a way that like even me I've, I, I I feel like I've lost that a bit just in, in doing well, it well this will kill you this will suck that joy of it out of you I was talking mm-hmm. to my I was went to the chiropractor today to get my back fixed from all these years of landing on it at shows mm-hmm. and uh, I was talking to him after and I'm like I've learned a valuable lesson do what you like a lot don't do what you love because doing what you love will, will fuck up the way you love it and doing what you like a lot you know, you, you like it a lot. That responsibility falls on you, though. I mean, we, we, whatever we've lost,
1: we've let be taken from us. You have a responsibility to protect what you love. And, and I, I, I put myself in that same place as you, but I've recently been, been taking it back. I have been no, I want to sit and play my piano because playing my piano makes me feel closer to myself and closer to the, some of those who've left me. And I want to listen to ambient music, and I want to listen to reggae, and I want to go through this life the way that I was when when it was better and easier and filled with more joy. I mean, no matter how you slice it to anyone who's listening, to the general population, as you get older, it gets harder. And you hear that all the time and whatever. You're going to smoke your cigarettes and you're going to go off and sleep in sleeping bags and stare at the stars. But you forget a lot of stuff. And booze does that, and sex does that, and
0: just... You think don't... sex
1: makes you lose your memory? No.
0: was <laughs> like, oh my god! Look at how weird <laughs> religion have they taught you in L.A. that you're now subscribing to. Hey,
1: don't... I'm not an L.A. person at all. Trust me, I... I that's, You know, if you're not working there, that's the most boring city in the world. <laughs> if you're not working. I mean, it's beautiful, and yeah. people are great, but... God, it's an effort. Yeah. The point is, is um, no, I'm not. I'm not saying losing your memory. I'm just saying losing that yeah, youthful yeah, aspect yeah. of of. Uh, and I feel a lot of things get taken from you. That's why I think it's your responsibility to to, to protect yourself from losing the things that you love. Even mm-hmm. if you do it. I mean, I love music. But yes, of course, it's going. But I wouldn't know what else. I would have. I would have done, you know. I, I wouldn't. I I didn't have any other plan. You know, so many people. I mean, I just did this play, and uh, I'm so grateful that it happened, and I'm so grateful that I got this great theater behind it and this wonderful director behind it, Chris Abraham, crow's Theater. This was great, and a lot of people are like, "How the hell did you just write a play and get a theater to do it?" or, or And it just kind of came on the aspect of, well, that's, I always feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I've never been told otherwise, but not in the aspect of I have been tried to stop, because I have. And I was a kid that I couldn't figure out where to go. If I didn't have the arts, I would have been, I'm not sure what would have happened to me.
0: So where did you go to school? I
1: went to a, a, I went public Catholic, private public so did you go to ESA? I did, yeah. Okay,
0: School of the Arts. That's what I thought. That's high school, yeah. There must have been like a lot of, That's, like you said, you fell in with kids that are on the margins. Yeah. Is that yeah that school where you found, yeah. finally found all the kids you fit in with? Yeah. Because that seems like that would have been, you know, like Owen Palo went there, right, I think? I don't I mean, think so, no. Someone went there. Other people in music went yeah, there. Yeah, Emily Haines went there. Amy yeah. Milan went there. Is that where you made all these people? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. We were so, in
1: grade nine. I met Amy Milan in grade eight when I was in summer camp. Okay. And she heard that I was going to that high school, and she—this uh, is Amy Milan from Stars and Social Scene, and her w- wonderful solo career.
0: And um, people have Google; they can Google these names. If they're like not, right. if they're not able to keep up with our conversation, Kevin, we don't—we're <laughs> not throwing them life rafts. Just I got a, a lot us. of people
1: that have been around from the beginning, and I think that also helps. You so know? yeah,
0: well, I guess that's like, you know, Broken Social Scene. Obviously, like you created your own world, and then you know the rest of the world kind of caught on to it. But like. That starts back then, right? Like mm-hmm. are those is that the first people you meet? Is Amy the first one you meet from yep. kind of that circle, that from that kind of... band, yep. Yeah. yeah. Definitely.
1: Um Brandon Cannon came into my life and we just merged our worlds together. Mm-hmm. And um it literally could not have gone better. Mm-hmm. It really couldn't and, and we just came back
0: and that was uh amazing. So you're back in it, sorry, back to the music thing. Mm-hmm. So, you, the Depeche Mode. Oh, yes. Uh, New Either Order. Depeche Mode and or New Order fan. You pick your side. You have to pick your side. So, who were. Uh, so, once you kind of like pick your side at that point, like, what are some of the local bands that. Because no one sounds like New Order. Depeche no, mode. local bands. I, I, I was like.
1: Remember Dig Circus? I was into them in high school. I was into 13 Engines. Oh, I know 13 Engines. Uh, okay. NC17. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who would become. Trouble Charger, yeah. Trouble Charger, change, um, change the face. Of I was into Head, which was Brendan Cannon's yep. first band. Hayden, who
0: was uh, uh, so. By this point, you're into CFMY stuff.
1: Yeah, that's where I, I found you know, Change of Heart and and uh, Project Nine. I spent a lot of time with Blue Dog Picked.
0: Project Nine, yeah. oh, that one. And, first time uh, I Nancy second.
1: Despot was the first band I ever managed. Nancy Despot. I don't remember there. Nancy Despot. Oh, they were fantastic. Brian Gunstone, he passed away um, when I was 19. He died. It was my first uh, real death that I had to sort of figure out and navigate through, and, and the and the scene uh, all around that um, was sort of Orange Alert and, and Conscious Pilot and all these bands, okay. and it was it was amazing. It was incredible to be with, and they were and still are exceptional people. But that that was uh, it was tough to see this group of people lose someone who was pretty massive in it. And, Where
0: would uh, those bands play? I don't remember. There them. was a lot of the Cameron House,
1: okay. uh, Reverb, yeah. you know, uh, Rivoli. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, Josh uh, Josh and Andre from school, their band, Eighth Rib. Eighth Root. Eighth Rib. Eighth Rib? Oh, they were amazing. There's a Bee in My Jacket, still one of my favorite songs. Do they sound like the Deadly Snakes? Uh, yeah, they kind of sounded like Tangiers and the Deadly Snakes because yeah. that was their two bands. But... but um, I, we went to classics which was on Ossington, Classic and that was when you, you needed to be in a buddy system to walk up and down that
0: street yeah that's neighbor, that is like when people talk about changing neighborhoods well that was gentrified cool that got gentrified crazy quick it took and, a long Queen time Ossington. but now it's just insane but like yeah i remember going to the generator and, the cl- and classics, and you're right. like yeah. It was like, my mom was like, don't let me I ever know. find out that you were there. Yeah, I know.
1: It was <laughs> such... Which was crazy, because then right up the road at college in, in Ossington was Cervez Sevilla's, or however you pronounce it, Cervez Sevilla. What's that one? Well, that was where One Step Beyond would play all oh, the time. Oh, okay. Right? Who went on to become the New Deal, like Jamie Shields and... Uh, and those guys, so we would we would take speed, and we would we would go because we could sneak in, and we just danced to funk music like crazy, you know. And then they went and played at Lola's Lounge. I remember, and uh, we'd be taking like Adderall and stuff, and just like whoa. And you know, every your your friend who just got diagnosed with this new disease called ADD, you're like, what do what, what do you take for that? It's like, Ritalin. It's like, well, what's that like? Have one, you know. And they're like,
0: Holy shit! Let's go. What was your first show?
1: Um, my mother took my, my parents took me to Willie Nelson and Rod Stewart in the same week. Those were my first two big concerts.
0: Um, my. Wait, Rod Stewart at the Skydome?
1: No, no, no. Skydome wasn't even around then, my man. This was at the exhibit. This was an
0: infatuation tour. Because what tour is that? Some guys have all the luck. Because I think I saw him on the next tour when he played the Skydome at the very first Skydome show in 88. Okay, this would, probably would have been eighty four. So this probably like the next time he would have come through, right? I don't know. I mean, to be honest, Rod Stewart comes through here every year now. Yeah, now he does, which That's is great. I'm a I big was just Rod thinking, Stewart fan. We, we could have fan. been on the same show, a Rod Stewart show, all those years ago. Are we talking about Rod Stewart? Aren't you? I'm talking about Rod Stewart. Faces <laughs> <laughs> are sick, dude.
1: Faces. Oh sick. no, they're incredible. <laughs> yeah. I um, no, I uh, I grew up. My mom was a mat, so I you know that was another guy that I grew up on. But um, we I think the first show I went to on my own. Was Jason Bonham in The Cult? <laughs> uh, I was in grade eight. And then. Um, Where was that? Concert hall? No, that would have been. No, that was the Skydome. Skydome, yeah. This was, this was uh, Sonic, what was their, their after Electric? This yeah. was their big record. Yeah, the huge one. You know, uh, Firewoman yeah. and Sweet Soul Sister. And Man, they played the Skydome, that's crazy. They played the Skydome. And uh, I think they played half of it, maybe. Okay. not Not the whole thing, but yeah. uh, a tented performance. I was in grade eight, and um, and then uh, you know, then we just started going to shows. I remember Rage Against the Machine, House of Pain, that was an incredible one. Was that the that's concert hall? Concert hall, yeah, that's concert hall. I was there. That one, Um, that was a big one. Seeing the Hip, tragically Hip. My brother took me to that when I was about grade seven, grade eight. On their up to here, and they played the form. Remember the rotating stage at Ontario Place? Oh yeah,
0: that was good. Did So, did you get it right away with The Tragically Hip?
1: Yeah. Okay. Totally. I, um... I love them. And then I kind of, once I was getting... Once someone played me Sonic Youth, and then Seven Seconds, and, like, that's kind of where I started to be like, oh, this is cool. What's yeah. this stuff? And The Misfits, and I, my friend Micah Meisner got me on to Danzig and The Misfits, and then you, you listen to The Cramps, and then you're going in and you're trying to be like, all right, this is cool. And, uh... I spent some time in there. I remember another big song. I remember The Godfathers with like work, school, birth, death. <laughs> I'm like, this is school stuff. Who we were these guys? And Greg Dick. Let's yeah. go back to grade five. I mean, he made – I met him when I was 10 years old. How would you meet him? Um, my dad's business partner. Like my, I grew up – my mother was a hairdresser. Okay. So haircuts were a very big thing in yeah. my family. And my mom loved the best. So she was always taking us to these funky people, you know, to get our hairs cut. Excuse me, get our hair cut. And um, my brother and I, and then we met Greg Dick, and he was the coolest guy ever. And I was ten years old, and my brother and I started getting our hair cut with him, and and uh, he made us a mixtape. And I remember clearly the last song on side A was "Away from the Numbers" by the Jam. And I never heard anything like it. I was like, "This is the greatest goddamn song." And we had X version of Wild Thing too, and <laughs> and he put some Kinks on there. And I only I only knew you know the the Kinks hits. I'd never heard stuff stuff like Lola or you know some I, deep cut out. Yeah, now. I never. He put a lot of deep cuts on this. And then and this is what sort of led me to the idea of him and I, you know, uh, about I guess seven years later or six years later, going to see Dinosaur Junior together. Oh, really? Yes, because when I was 14, I heard it on CFNY. I heard the song, and it literally ripped me open and it made me so excited. And I went to him immediately the next week and I said, Who's this dinosaur junior? He's like, Are you kidding me? And he pulled out some of his, you know, seven inches and so you just go over to his house and hang out with Greg? Right? Sometimes, yeah.
0: Wow. Just
1: a couple of times we would go and get our hair in between. He he always was at salons and doing his thing, and but but I did as a teenager. I'd go over because he would play me records. Yeah. So and so at fourteen he played me Green Mind, and then um, I immediately went out and bought the cassette. And I guess now I know why I loved it. It's because I love the chords of G and C and D so much, but that whole song, the wagon was exactly how I felt at 14 years of age. I was like, this is it. This represents everything. And then going in, uh, a friend of mine at high school, this is how I met some of the cool kids, was this wonderful gentleman named Scott Trelevin, who was playing me, you know, CC Spunknick and this immortal collie and all this stuff because we became friends. He was in OAC, which is gone now. Yeah. It's grade 13.
0: I remember. I had it. I didn't do it. You didn't do it? You skipped? Are you kidding me? As soon as I was able to get out, like, of school, out of school, I was like, I'm out man i loved oac It was like i spent half the time at full blast records down the street just going through records that's i mean <laughs> i i
1: believe that i used to sit in the the art the oac art room and you know we listened to cc spunk nick and he got me he you got me into skinny puppy and the <laughs> idea of just explaining to me skinny puppy i was like okay i can get into this i can do this and you know everybody loved uh whether they wanted to or not, David Sylvian and, and all this, you know, you're just sitting there listening to the Rain Tree Crow and Japan <laughs> Records and then CC Spunknick and, and and Skinny Puppy. It, it was great. And in that aspect, uh I met because, he said, Oh, you're dinosaur junior, and that was not known. You know, right now it that was it was Pearl Jam, it was Soundgarden, it was uh you know, all the all Allison Chains. Nirvana. Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, not really yet, though. They were coming. Oh, this is still when it was like Yeah, they. They. Yeah, more... It Smells Like Teen Spirit was happening, and it was getting big. Pearl Jam didn't have laugh after Nirvana, right? No, Pearl Jam was out around then. Really? Alive, I think Alive yeah. was out. Okay. I, I'm not sure. Okay. But this is the music that was yeah. coming yeah. up. And he said to me, you've got to go talk to this girl named Evie. Uh a woman named E.B. Kaslik. And I went to her and I said, hi, EB, my name is Kevin. You know, she's a grade 12... To me, like a beautiful Viking, I, I, you know, I'm looking up at her like, (laughs) oh my god, hands are sweating. Uh, I heard you're a Dinosaur Jr. fan. She said, I am. And I I went, well, so am I. She said, Do you have the new record? I went, I do. She said, Well, I'll bring in Bug, and I'll make you a tape of Bug, and you're living all over me, and we can trade for a while. And I was like, okay. So she made me this tape, and when we traded for a week, and I listened to you. You're living all over me and bug religiously every day. And that's when the soft and loud aspect, which I'm sure you've had Jay on your show, have you? Yeah. Yeah, I remember asking him, because without Dinosaur Jr., there was no Nirvana. There was none of that. And and, and um, I even love the story that Court, Miss Courtney Love told me that
0: Kurt wanted Jay to be the drummer in Nirvana. before. Yeah, they, 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 he was one of the guys.
1: Yeah, he, was, he was, they were looking at drummers. And, and when Dinosaur Jr. came down to... LA and played like the Sunset Strip that was when Guns N' Roses were blowing up and everything and everyone was just like these are the guys yeah um so there even in talking in that aspect there was that feeling you had when if you knew Dinosaur Jr. it literally introduced me to a whole other world of music and a whole other group of people and uh I never kind of looked back after that you know that the, the next year my you know my boy valentine dropped loveless or mm-hmm. i think maybe a few months after and it, it was unbelievable mm-hmm. and i know everyone talks about that album but great it should be talked about because I never heard anything like that
0: that came out and i was kind of like this is unbelievable yeah that's right one of those records that like you know music was never the same no i think that they just thank you babe my coffee that feels a little empty oh it's good I got it's okay got a last sip of coffee mm. Yeah, like they it, changed the game with that frequency-wise. Yeah, frequency wise and, yeah. And, oh, it's, it's amazing when you go and see, you know, if you when you go and see uh, My Bloody Valentine, you see people like just trying to take photos of Kevin's pedals, and just to see yeah. his settings. But he makes them. He does. It's, it's oh, exactly like you're not going to be able to replicate old. that. You know, you you know, he's one of those rare. Rare people that just like has that ear for that sound, and that's like where he was driving to, Well,
1: it's cool that also him and Jay became friends and very cool, yeah, and that you know as an outsider to see that happen, I would and love
0: you know, religiously listening to those bands that was that was good i would, like I would kill for a podcast with just the two of them talking, yeah oh the God. quietest podcast oh, God. ever, <laughs> two hours long for
1: <laughs> i I miss um. Those those guys. I, last time I saw him was with you. Remember when? Yeah, came, Dinosaur Jr. They came and played Tron. Yeah, and uh,
0: you know, I see. I talk to Jay every once in a while, but I haven't seen I haven't seen Kevin in forever. Last I've time. never met him. You never met him? No, never met him. Whoa, that's uh, like one of those people that I think the only like I forced him to be my friend. I saw him at Coachella, <laughs> he was sitting by himself, and Joan and I had our that catering. Does not plates. surprise me. I love yeah, him. yeah, and I'm just like, let's just go. Hang out with this guy, like now, knowing what punishing is and what a punisher is. Yeah, I, that's what I was. Yeah, but I'm like, fuck it. So we sat down. I with loved that. you for that, though. Yeah. That's why I liked you right
1: from the beginning, because you, you, Just punish. No, you, you weren't <laughs> punishing. You were just you were engaging. You just yeah. weren't engaged. I mean, do, do people know how we met? Should we not tell the story? Should we not tell the story
0: of how we bonded? Let's tell the story of how we bonded, because that's not how we met. No, where did we first meet? I think we knew. I remember, well, I knew you, I knew of you, mm-hmm. um, and then um, I remember we were at, I think we might have been introduced for the first time at a Not A Surf show, when Not A Surf played the basement Oh, it's Sonic, Sonic Boom. Boom. Yeah. Um, but then, and then we played, we played upstairs at some place in Calgary, and you guys played the main room. Oh. At Sled Island. One of the oh, early oh. Sled Islands. Okay,
1: so we met at, so that was um, uh, Spiral Stairs, Scott Cannenberg. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was curating that. that. Yeah. And then, festival but then, the time. how do we bond, Cat? Okay, well, we were in South by South yep. by Southwest. Yep. A little music festival.
0: Um, I can't remember what year it was. Was it '09? I think it was before that. I think it was like '08 or, or something. It
1: had to be either '09. I mean, it was '9 then. '08. One or the other, because I remember because I met Melissa Oftomar Yeah. On a plane on the way over. And uh, she
0: was so such a, such a love... I have not seen her in years, but... Well, no, this is... Because then we got to tell the second Melissa off tomorrow and you and me hanging out story afterwards. Well, we... Well, this let's is, finish the first story first. Well, I, don't, I think it is. This is no, just the no, one... No, what? no, no. No, there's a time in Toronto, too. <clears throat> oh, God, you son <laughs> of a bitch. That was after. That's after. Okay, we'll get so to that, happens. folks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so we ended up hanging out, Melissa and I. And we we met you, didn't we meet you
0: throughout the night at one point? No. One? Oh, okay. It was even more. We had we must. You have, tell the story. We must have been friendly before, like friendly enough. And I think it was maybe through Jay that we okay. had met through Because what happened that night was I was just like around downtown. I can't remember who I was with, but I lost my keys and my phone.
1: And we were in Austin. And we were in Austin. And I, and I it was about two thirty a.m. Yeah. And, and I was supposed to see what an fucked IHop. up.
0: Yeah, and I was I was with some guy that I had met at an IHOP. I don't think Sweet Apple was there. Sweet Apple and Mascus had no. ditched. No, there. So gone. we're just like it's two of you. Yeah, and we're just like sitting outside waiting for a table at IHOP or Denny's. I think it was a Denny's. It was an IHOP. It was an IHOP oh, or Denny. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, who walks over? <laughs> but fucking Kevin and Melissa Oftemar, and you guys are like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah. And we're like, "We're waiting to get a table. I lost my phone. I don't know how I'm going to get meet up with my band. I don't know anywhere to stay." And you're like. Uh, well, let's go get food. So we all got food together. And it's like, you need somewhere to stay? And I said... I had the two-bed hotel room. Yeah. You're like, I got a room with two beds in it. Come stay in my room. And it was probably the greatest act of kindness ever offered to me by someone in the music industry well, up it was, to that
1: point. It was 3.15 in the morning. <laughs> and I remember... Going in there and getting you a late checkout, yeah, and giving you my phone to call your lady. Yeah, no, you
0: definitely you like I, I kind of tour managed your. You totally because I was leaving me. early the next morning to go back on the road. Yeah, no, you left early. You got up. You like you know, made sure I had a late checkout. Yeah. I got to sleep in, which yeah. was great because at South by Southwest, you were. But you were doing a lot. You had, you we were, were doing, doing that was like one of those shows. like fifteen shows yeah.
1: thing. I said you need to sleep. You no, that
0: to- those weekends. Uh, like, thank God I didn't do drugs, because I would be dead. Like, no, there's, like, because, like, just, like, the lack of sleep and energy drinks, I was sick for, like, weeks afterwards. So, yeah. like, you know, and because you're staying on people's floors, you're yeah. not, you know, especially at the stage we were. Uh, so, to have someone offer you a hotel bed for the night, that's what I knew. Well, you, that, t-
1: you took to me after that. Well, you, know, yeah, you got to
0: look out for each other what I think on prior the road. That, you I have had, to. I had kind of, like, bought into that thing. Like, you, you didn't like me. Well, yeah. No, but, it, no it was, but it's like that thing I was trying to get to with the Tragically Hip where you don't get it, right? Like, you, no, I not mean you. I yeah. mean, like, I meant me. I didn't get it. And mm-hmm. I looked at the band as being an, uh, an outgrowth of what the fan base is. Mm-hmm. And so if you didn't like, if you had a problem with someone in high school that liked the Tragically Hip or didn't like the kids that liked the Tragically Hip in high school... Yeah. Well, that's reflective of the Tragically Hip is people, mm-hmm. you know? And I realize now that's an idiotic way to go through life. But, it like, is. I kind of felt at the time, like, oh, well, this guy's popular and there's these popular bands and all these popular people like him who I don't like. Mm-hmm. So he must be an asshole like this person I don't like. Mm-hmm. So then to meet you and be like, I think that's one of the times that really just blew my mind and blew my perceptions wide open about, like, how closed-minded I had been. That, like, oh, you you can be a good person and be in a popular band and, like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to... Well, Gord must have really blown your mind, too. Well, I think that's what made me, like, really receptive to Gord, you know? Like, and then, I had met Gord in the video story, come in, I knew he was, like, a nice guy, but then, like, to actually, like, meet him and, like, and talk to him about music, like... Fuck, like he loved music in a way. Oh, and, God. It, like very few people. Yeah. Very. And like, and just, and I don't know, just like. He got it, too. He got it. He got it, and he got the
1: dedication to it, as we were speaking about earlier at the cast. I mean, he would be side stage at so many goddamn yeah. shows, watching bands ready for you when you get off to lift you up.
0: Yeah, and he got it. He got it. Like, he knew, you know, and I'm like, you know, uh, I, like he knew that there was a lot of assholes that liked his band. He did. He knew, and he wasn't, like, playing to those assholes. No. Nope. He was playing to the people that weren't those assholes in that crowd. And, and like, I think meeting him and realizing that was a big, you know. But meeting you, that happened first. But then we got to talk about the second night we hung out. Oh, my God. This
1: was huge because I did miss this band <laughs> when I'm talking about. Now, when I was 14, it was, I think I heard the Misfits when I was Probably nine, and I didn't really take them. But then I got into them later. Yeah, uh, but I didn't really stick around uh, because then I started getting into, you know, pavement and stuff like that, which took me a while too. But then, I, and, and you know, then you get into the, Vel- I was into the Velvet Underground, and I was
0: starting to go into the Lou Reed and Bowie. But even once again, pavement hardcore guy. Yes. An alchemist came oh, out yeah, of, of uh, course. what was his band called? I can't remember now. It's got some like super generic name, but they were like a Stockton
1: punk band back in the day. But the Dead Kennedys, they were the kings. <sighs> they were the kings. They were the kings, and I knew that. And I was always, uh, just Jell-O-Biafra really always intrigued me. And, um, I found him. I would, you know, his books, his poetry, all the stuff that he would do, his shows. I was just like, holy shit, this guy is intense. And you,
0: you sly. Well, what happened? Son of a bitch. This was like the confluence of so many amazing things happening in one night. Like this to me, I look back on this as being one of the greatest nights, one of the greatest hangs of my life. Uh, What happened was, what was it? Driveway to Driveway is the name of the movie, right? I think so. And it was named after the Superchunk song. hmm And Jim and Mac from Superchunk had been brought up to play a song. And the guy yeah. from Community who's gone on to become like kind of a well-known actor. Yeah, the,
1: I forget his name. Yeah. But, um, Adam. Adam. Uh, he was there too. Yeah. He's done very well.
0: Yeah, he's done really well for himself. Which is good because I've always heard that guy was a good guy and, and uh, I remember that night. Yeah. Him being there and he, too bad he didn't come out. That would make this story even more epic if he had joined yeah. us. But uh, but he was there, and then at the end of the night, uh, Jim and Mac got up and played a wicked acoustic cover set. They did a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. They even did Fuck You, I think, by uh, mm-hmm. so, I, or I caught, Skulls. So I,
1: that's why I was there. I caught the end, because yeah. I knew that Mac... Was in town and I was just kind of getting to know him, or did you introduce me to no,
0: him? No, you had known him. Known
1: I know you know him. okay. But
0: this is all. Yeah, then. But you, because you were late, because you were at. Melissa Mars show at oh, the Great Hall. That's right. Okay, because there you got go. it was after we had hung out in Austin. Yeah, like I'm, you know, and then we were talking on the phone, we're texting. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm, I'm at this thing. Phone. Yeah, but <laughs> mine was like just like a, a flip a non-flippy phone. one, yeah. like a. But I'm just like texting you, and you're like, uh, oh, what are you guys doing? I'm like, oh, I think we're gonna go hang out with Jim. And Mac, after this thing, you're like, I'm going up there. I'm trying to catch the end of the set. I'm like, oh, cool. So you're there. Melissa Oftimar's there. Jim and Mac are there. And then Melanie Kay, my good friend, texts me. And she's like, yo, I'm with Jello, Biafra, because Jello was playing in town that night, too. (laughs) And he's like, Jello wants to meet up and hang out. So we all go over to Ted's collision.
1: Couldn't believe it. And we all sit down, and it's like... No, this is what I remember. He, int- You introduced him to everyone. Yeah. And he said, hello, hello, hello. And he said, and this is Kevin from Broken Social Scene. And he went, oh, and he stood up. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, are you standing up for me? He goes, my knees hurt, and I don't stand up for that many people, but I am. And to this day, the act of him standing up, uh, has made, I remember I was like, I'm gonna start standing up when I, when I, uh, that's just the greatest way to greet people. No, I'm okay, thank you. And, um, it's from the- <laughs> oh, Cypress Hill, that's another one that I saw. But, uh, anyways, well, he, what a gentleman <coughs> and what an icon to meet. And oh, that God, night yeah. was just, I remember, you know, to be starstruck in these cynical days of you don't need to be, I was fucking starstruck. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, I cannot believe this. Well, because if, if you came up and I didn't see that coming too, you know, you had no warning, or anything. It was like oh, this is oh, Jello's I I'm like,
0: oh, you had missed the set, and you came and met us there, and okay. I didn't warn you. I'm like, I'm with Jim and Matt. Okay, maybe that was it. And then you walked in, and Jello was there too. Oh my god! And there's a photo of all of us hanging out. What? Yeah, and my friend Zach was there too. You got to send that over. I got to find it. I think Melanie has it. Melanie K has it. Um, because yeah, it's like the it's like a Last Supper level of epic. Photo of all of us hanging out. Incredible. Shotgun Jesus. You know, there's a lot of. I've been so
1: fortunate to spend time with great heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never met. I've never been rubbed the wrong way by um, anyone that I've really met. Who really? I've loved. No, I haven't. And um, I don't go out of my way. To to, to uh, meet people, but I've been blessed with a great life of meeting some of these
0: incredible icons, and I've
1: never ever ever had a bad issue, bad time. Never, and it's always been great.
0: You know, now that I'm trying to think of, like, I know I've had them, but I'm I just, they're just not jumping in my head. Yeah, and so they should. That's and we should program. move on because we're
1: we're. I think where where do we go from here? Is this it? How long do you do these things for? What is a podcast?
0: We're only at forty eight minutes. You Wait, know, how long do they? When Steve go? McDonald's on, we did two and a half hours. <laughs> two and a half hours. But <laughs> we're going to go a little bit longer. Don't worry, we're not going to do two hours. We live in a society that has thirty seconds. Yeah, but this is why this is like the oasis in that you know fast-paced society where you just go listen to a well, podcast. Well, let's check
1: in on like, are you okay? I mean, I feel like what, do we do we check in on the people? Uh, is everybody okay right now? Are they everybody driving? The or where, what are they? Where do you let? Li- oh, you just put this on and you're working out. <laughs> uh, do your, your uh, the people that listen to you? Do they listen to you in the gym? Oh, I'm sure there's people. Who I'm listening always there. running to people at the gym. Like, how are you doing? It's like, good, man. Listen to podcasts.
0: Yeah, sure. Get the podcast world. You you haven't listened to any podcast? No, you, you and everyone's like, got to listen to Serial or uh, you got to listen well, to. You got to find the podcast. Fresh catcher. Air. Yeah,
1: yeah, like none of those hit me. <clears throat> my my ladies played me a few in the car, and I've always enjoyed them. No, you
0: you got to find like for you. I listened to the Alec Baldwin one a couple times. That was fun. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like I think what you need to do is you're the type of guy that needs to make your own. You people know?
1: told me that for years. And I think everyone should have their own podcast, really. If you I think
0: anything that is accessible. Do you want to come on my... my network and you can be do turned out an indie rocker and you <laughs> interview people about the first time they heard indie rock? Uh no. <laughs> I don't.
1: <laughs> I like human interaction. You know that. I like to just talk about how how to keep going. That's my
0: That's what we're doing. I know, no, I know. You I need a vehicle them. to get there, and yeah. that's like this this uh I, I hope we don't
1: alienate people with our stories of meeting Jella Biafra people, people. And, and have you heard from Melissa Optomar? because I have not. never no me neither no. I, I uh, lost contact same here I, wanna, and I, yeah.
0: I uh, she was so cool she was the coolest absolute coolest yeah really super awesome yeah um yeah, let's Such have her on this nice podcast. Buddy. You should. I want to. We should all have lunch again. <laughs> we should definitely. With Jello. And let's Mac. Get Jello and Mac
1: and Jim.
0: <laughs> the band's back together. The band is back
1: together. um Look at this. The Beans All Night That's Radio. It's a great fucking 45 Look at Patty. It's a great. From San Francisco. David West. Um, okay, keep going. What else do you want to know? Well, no, now we got. When did you start playing
0: music? What was your first band? <sighs>
1: We were called Quicksand, even though there was another Quicksand, uh, and that was with E.B. Kaslick, who I, I yeah. um, got into with Dinosaur Jr., and a gentleman by the name of Tim Doucette, who was the original singer of 8th Rib when oh. they first came out. He wrote a song for my <laughs> high school girlfriend called Aviva is a Butterfly. No, he did not.
0: That I, name I, sounds so familiar. I
1: don't know quite where he is, but um, okay. it was harmonica, acoustic guitar, and drums. <laughs> And my first show, my parents went away, and I moved all the furniture out of the basement. And <laughs> you did a house show. And I did a house show, and um, it was really great because E.B. was—I was fifteen, Tim was sixteen, and E.B. was I think seventeen—and we had all the grade tens, elevens, and OACs over. So it must have been fucking
0: rammed. At oh, arms. it was. Uh,
1: well, it was. It was just. It was a good. Vi- and that's when we were listening. I remember. That's when Nirvana was really at the height, and we were all dancing to Nirvana and Dinosaur Jr. And then, um, I think even Portishead might have dropped the record around then. And and then we you know you know we were all pretty obsessed with funk music back then too. So we it was it was fun. Oh, and Ministry. I remember, I remember. We were all uh, in my room listening to Ministry, and we would lift each other up to the ceiling. Crowd we were crowd surfing in my. Room. We used to have crowd surfing parties in my room. Yeah, because Ministry, come on. So what? That was like the greatest thing. We went to Lollapalooza and basically not knowing Ministry and then coming out. And I think it was Ministry and then the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I think Pearl Jam was earlier and Lush opened it. It I think it was the second year of Lola on tour and coming through Toronto and it was in Barrie. And uh, Ministry took that. They took that whole entire show, that mm-hmm. whole entire festival, and all, all of us came home and went out and bought ministry records.
0: It's like when, uh, you remember that? Do you go to the year Sonic Youth pavement hole, Cypress Hill? Uh, no, I did not. Cause that year, Jesus Lizard took that. Thing. Yeah, they did. And that was like they were like throwing mud at the audience and diving in the crowd. There were some and,
1: side know. stages that I look back at now and I'm like, are you
0: kidding me? Mercury read the Verve yeah. the books, just all these bands that.
1: Beck? Beck, yeah. it did side stage shows. And I never went to the side stage.
0: Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember who was on the side stage when they came. I went to it twice, but the years I was there was towards the end. It wasn't the, I, the last one I did was
1: Alice in Chains and Primus and Dinosaur Jr. and Arrested Development. And that was the last one I went to.
0: What? Well, Maybe a weird backstage hang, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like all those people on tours. <laughs> I, I don't even know. <laughs> You've done those tours, right, where everyone has to travel? Um. You know, like, like, really, the own one own.
1: that we did do was Accelerator, which was in uh, Scandinavia, um, and it was incredible, because it was 2004, and it was three shows, like Stop Home, Copenhagen, and then I can't remember the other city, and uh, it was Wilco, Explosions in the Sky, all bands. Wilco w- was known, Modest Mouse was known, uh, Explosions in the Sky were coming up, Lally Puna was the coolest known. coolest people in Explosions Fiery, in the sky. oh, the, the lovely... Love the human. Well, that's we kinda met the same way. I just like came up to them and said, You're the explosions in the sky guys, you know, love your stuff. And one of them was wearing a social scene t shirt and and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. And um fiery furnaces were just starting on that tour. The Go team, this band, the Block Party, was out. Uh Will Ullman was on it. We were on it. Um fuck. There's so many cool bands on this uh this tour and and I actually enjoyed it and wished I could have done more of those Cause traveling bands touring because you get to see each other and eating and
0: dining in the same places and that's where I met Isaac. We did it on a S- uh, Sandwave in Australia. Oh, that must and have been fun. There were like a couple years it was super fun when you have like a bunch of like like minded bands to kind of mm-hmm. like hang out with. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you're like, how the fuck did I wind up here? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> when my- it uh, comes with a job. <laughs> comes with a job. And you're not going to share the
1: same vision. I mean, you could clearly see very quickly with bands who's in it to win it and who's in it to live it. Yeah. And uh, you know, with Social Scene, we
0: were in it to live it. Where did you kind of... That house show, actually, who else played? Just you guys? Oh, it was just us. Just I think it was eight songs. I was on drums. And,
1: uh, yeah, I still remember you. you should... Oh, I can't remember... I, I want to recite lyrics from a song, but I should have prepared myself. It was cool. E.B. was an incredible songwriter, and she was actually pretty uh, influential in me picking up a guitar. Because I just, you know, you see it on the films, and it, it is part of life, but when you watch someone doing something, and it's it doesn't matter how many people you know, this person next to you is the most unique person ever. That's how I felt mm-hmm. sitting next to her. She would just come over to my house. And we stayed friends after she graduated. And she'd literally come over in my backyard and smoke cigarettes and play songs for me. And um, that made me pick up the guitar around 17. And I started getting guitar lessons. Do you, what, what was your next band? Um, well, I I left out Frightened Bread. Frightened Bread was... I was just dancing around. You were the Boston. I was just kind of like the guy, just running around, <laughs> singing to the mic. And dan- I was fourteen, and uh, this lovely gentleman named Voltaire and Ian uh, Waring from um, from Uncut. And uh, that was fourteen. But my real band, and I guess the next band was Dejula, which was
0: um, nineteen. And that what was, was the ch- band of that band? Sorry, back to that uh, the. Uh- Red bread, frightened bread, frightened bread. <laughs> what was the word, that what mean? was the vibe of that band? Um, like your beds Bez from Happy Mondays, or
1: I kind of was because look, you know, we were that that was the year that I, I you know experimented with a hallucinatory drug <laughs> and. All the kids were doing devil sticks. You remember the guy with the devil sticks? It was just like, oh, man, he is good at that. And you got the big pants, and I was getting into the dead. After all, I say all this stuff at the same time. I was listening to American Beauty and, and one of my favorite records, and still is, and I have multiple copies on vinyl. Is what a long, strange trip it's been, the, the l- double album live of the Grateful Dead. I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm, like, first record only. Which, which yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, hey. Greg Dick always used to say to me, I'll be grateful when they're dead. Um, (laughs) But, uh, so, So there were some hippie aspects to, 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 so I was kind of running around with no shoes on and bare feet. I remember Emily Haynes one time, she asked a friend of mine to come up and do a song and I was like, hey, what about me? And she's like, what do you you, want me to do? You want to wet your hair and run around with your bare feet? (laughs) That hurts, man. (laughs) So I I got, you know, I I picked up a guitar, but, I drummed in a band that I started with a lovely gentleman named Stephen Crowhurst and our friend Derek. We all went to Harris Institute and so did Charles Spearin. And that's 19 I met Charles Spearin, which pretty much changed my life.
0: What band was Charles in before? Um, The the Dead Lemmings. The Dead Lemmings, that's it. Yeah, so him and Ohad were in the Dead Lemmings. Dead Lemmings might be one of the most... Important yep. bands yep. that no one yep. knows about. Exactly. I mean, Richie from
1: Arcade Fire is yep. a fan. And look at the Dead Lemmings O in a field on YouTube. It's <laughs>
0: it's absolutely exceptional. But it's like that band should be reissued. They should. Where's Where's my label Arts and Crafts? I <laughs> you got to do it. You where's should. my vinyl
1: only? Uh, I don't know. I mean, reissue I, label. I, I know some artists were trying to do that.
0: It's not easy. A label is listen.
1: I know it's not easy. Smokes. That's why I it's just want to come in now that you've
0: done all this hard work, <laughs> and I just want an imprint where I'm just like, yo. I, I
1: have not. I mean, I was around for you know the first eight years, yes. But they're, I'm
0: grateful for the team that I have over yeah, at that label. But I'm just saying, like, this is like the idea. Like, you know, we'll do this, and then we can reissue like. All these demos, like the Blunderman demo, oh, amazing. or the No Offense demo. No offense, okay. Like all these Southern Ontario lost classics that are so important to music history. Match the liner notes we get. Richie from the Arcade Fire could write liner notes for the Dead Lemmings reissue. He could. Okay. Um, we're no, they this. were great. So the Dead Lemmings, you know.
1: And then they started. So were you a fan of them before you met Charles? No, I I was. Uh, I, I met Charles through Tortoise, the band okay. Tortoise. Because someone told me, just like I went and walked up to Evie. I walked up to him and said, hey, you're a Tortoise fan. I'm a Tortoise fan.
0: You know, what's going on? So that's probably why you had sympathy for me. Because you and me are both kind of like the people that will make that first move. Yeah. The punisher that will, like, go up to the person. And yeah, be like,
1: I never, it never bothered me to yeah.
0: do that. Yeah, so that's probably why you had an, an, an empathy for me. And uh, took me well, you under I your wing. You. I, I I, you
1: were you? I, I mean, I had no judgment of who you were because I try not to do that. Even though you know, it's not like I don't talk behind people's backs. I'm human, but I I never. Oh yeah, people could only hear what we said off mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding too. the The point is, is that I I knew you were in. I just try to lay back because I know, uh, you know, people make up their mind about others without mm-hmm. knowing them. We just we mm-hmm. all do it. We're all guilty of it, and um. I come across... Uh, well, it's no. not even
0: you. It's just like the 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 media that exists around a band, especially when a band's yeah. in that moment.
1: You can't have context with no. media. There's just no context. No. And I say a lot of shit. And uh, sometimes it comes out all right, and sometimes it just comes out all wrong. But well, I, I I'm aware I... of that. It comes with the job. And when I met you, you were just so personable that I just thought, oh, this guy's adorable. And... <laughs> and um, watching you on stage smashing up your head and jumping in the crowd I wasn't sure what you were going to be like so the fact that (coughs) you were so lovely and open that made me not only like your band more but oh buddy I thought it was fun it was fun hanging out with you that time another one North Carolina North Carolina that was okay so basically ladies and gentlemen (laughs) we're playing a festival in North Carolina and and Damien's just got into this thing called marijuana I'm not into it anymore (laughs) He's into marijuana, and this guy's been straight edge since I met him, which I had not known him that long, but we were buds now, and they played this festival. So we played the main stage, and we got off, and I ran over to the club. And where were we? Asheville or not Asheville? No, it's uh, Rally, wasn't it? Rally. Oh, wonderful what, town. What?
0: I can't believe I'm blanking on the fucking fest name now.
1: Oh, whatever. <coughs> it was a great one. And Panda right. Bear was there, and Gear, put in uh, the, Atlas Sound, in the intro. and the No Age guys. Every, all these bands were playing, and... I hook up with Damien after his show. It was a fantastic show. Fucked up. were incredible. You guys were amazing, too. That was like you guys played in the middle of the street. Yeah, we played in the middle of the street. That was fun. And um, Damien's like, hey, man, you want to hang out after? I said, yeah. My bus calls around 4 or 5 a.m. or something. Let's go. He said, come back to my ho- You had a hotel, right? Yeah, a hotel. And you were just like coming back and then... These two kids, these two young guys came up to you. We were hanging in the lobby for like 45 minutes. And they wanted to smoke a joint. Yeah. And you were like, oh, my God, these kids got some pot. We're going to go up to their room. So they must have been, I don't know, 20, 19, 20, 21. (laughs) They were overly legal age. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. They (laughs) they were 24 or whatever. (laughs) And these two guys. And they were really sweet. And we go up and then we run into the no age guys. Yeah. I don't know them, but they come along. Yeah. And then. We're suddenly in their room, and some of their friends come in, and it's these two kids, and they have a a two-four that they open up, and then we're all smoking pot and drinking these beers, and then what's his name from the lovely guy from Deer, Hunter, and Atlas Sound? (laughs) No, it's good. Brandon? Brandon, Brandon, yeah. yeah. Brandon Cox. Yeah. I've never met him. He suddenly knocks on the door. I open it. He's like, I can hear you guys down the fucking hall. And it's the older brother's hotel room for these young kids. Remember that? Yeah. They're like, this is our older brother's hotel, this is our older brother's beer. And you were like, Ah, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it. He'll he'll be happy. And he showed up and he walked in. He was like, What the fuck is and then he saw me and he yep. went what and then he saw you. Yeah. And then he saw we were just like, um your after, the after party of this festival is now in your hotel room. And he was bewildered. Do you remember? He was so stoked. And I had 50 bucks American. I put it in his hand. I said, here you go. We're drinking your beers. If I hope you don't mind. And he was like, oh, what the fuck? And we threw down. And then we went down to the pool, the and indoor brought,
0: pool. Brought beer down to the and
1: pool? And then all suddenly there's all these people at the we're indoor smoking pool. We were weed in the pool, too. Yes. That's and people were hitting their heads. Remember? The, the guy oh, who yeah. threw the party whacked his head. There was blood. Yeah. We had to get out of the pool. We had to tend to that. What a night. And I stumbled back to the bus at four in the morning, wondering what just happened. And those people were lovely. There was about, there had to be about 23 of us in that indoor pool. Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Because then we met somehow more people. More people.
1: And then all the rest of Fucked Up showed up. It was insane. And it was all because he wanted to uh, go and uh, indulge with these... uh, Youngins and uh marijuana brings a lot of people together. I just couldn't believe that we took over the old like Chet from Weird Science. You know, yeah. it's like
0: this is our brother's hotel room. walking
1: <laughs> rocking in yeah, there. It's like
0: this big jock,
1: and dude. he <laughs> walked in, and I just thought, oh, oh fuck, I'm gonna be the first one to deal with this, and I stepped right in. But thank God he saw a social scene. And he saw you guys, and he saw No Age, and he was just kind of. Bradford was like, oh Brandon, it's Bradford for Christ's <laughs> sake. Why did we say Brandon? <laughs> Jesus. And I spat in his mouth that night, remember? I didn't meet oh, you. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was in the elevator, and I was talking to him, and he's like, Oh my God, you just spat like... He, he couldn't believe it. He got so insane that I was... I, I said, I swear to you, I'm not sick.
0: That was right. And that's that the only night. time I ever met him. That's the only time you ever met him? That then. was it, that night. I've hung with him a few times, too, and it's always like... He was great. That was so much fun. He was that he was w- a lot of fun. That's and like one of those... That's like that's what I wish being in a band was like every night. Every time I'm with you, some... some, some Every time I'm with you, something, something, something yeah, something's, something's going on. We got, we got, you know, we're making this stuff happen.
1: We're older now, but, and I, I wouldn't find myself going out
0: like that. But uh, when you smoke it, weed, you always are looking for weed. So you always like, like the idea of like hanging out. I know Torquo would say it in Stars from, from the stage. Yeah. He'd just be like, anybody has some weed? I'm looking for some. Thank you. Well, the, you know, you, you know the broken social scene cautionary tale. When you go to New York and you play that university, NYU, or whatever, and there's the George Washington Park right there. Oh yeah. They're like, don't go to the park, yeah. and try and get weed. Yeah, that was you're a gonna cold. wind up like broken Security. No, City. that was <laughs> that's what they tell you. I know, but that was we played.
1: Um, we were opening for Dinosaur Jr. Oh really? The park, and that was, you know, absolutely a horrible incident. That, quite frankly, I blew up by making it public and made it like that was such a learning curve, and and to be quite frank. That was a, a friend of ours who took our producer, David Newfeld down in New York and um, said, I'm just going to whip in here and get some weed. And then Newf, who hadn't been out of the country in six years, just sort of like walked out like, are you sure this is okay? And then they got jumped and, Neuf- and David thought that they weren't police and got yeah. the shit kicked out of them. And it was not a good situation because then I very stupidly, very stupidly, in a, in a list of regrets, this was one of them, on stage mentioned that, that that happened thinking and I remember my parents were there and my dad was side stage looking at me like no
0: and then it became news well that's the thing because it was also yeah. right around that time that like news pitch was, yeah, became were, pitchfork became a thing and like you would say things on stage and then it would be a story or you would say things on social media I and mean, it would Newf be a story news he got beat up and then
1: they started to get the story wrong and then it came out
0: yeah because that's totally different than the, from the press, story that they tell you
1: and, and and he was like, oh, this is all wrong. And the only redeeming thing I think I did in that situation was get him the right lawyer. And he was so smart not to sign something. They were like, well, look, just sign here and we'll get you out of here. And he he was literally, he felt attacked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was a terrible situation, and, and, and um, that was a stupid moment where I brought that up on stage.
0: Yeah, but that's like, you know...
1: I didn't know. You didn't know. I know, and you know, and I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know that Newf got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. I did not know that. And when I went into the hotel room and met up with him after and I saw him, I, I literally felt like i had thrown someone into a pack of wolves, and I to this day, I mean, we don't speak much anymore. And I actually was thinking about him because you want to talk about an influential person, not only in, uh, this scene, I'm talking about his records. And especially you forgot it in people, let alone, cause that was us. But when he took self titled, he, he fucking went all over the place with that one and really put a signature piece down <laughs> on the production with that. And the amount of people that he has influenced without people will not know Mm -hmm. you know one of those quiet champions Mm -hmm. um uh it's huge the influence that he has had it's massive and i hear it to this day i hear it with bands and i hear it and 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 he came at a time where a lot of production was fucking boring Mm -hmm. and he just turned it over on its heads and uh yeah, he was eccentric and crazy and full of life and literally never really met someone who wanted to laugh more in my life than him. Like, he loved laughing. But, uh, um, yeah, he he just... He took an approach that was so unique and so his own. And it was very influential on so many... Ba- I remember listening to records going like, oh, this is the new acoustic sound, this is the new drum sound. So that was very much also part of our success in in terms of... Working with the right guy, the right producer, mm-hmm. at the right time, who was into making shit exciting. He didn't care. He didn't care about fucking cool records. When we would be referencing Stereo Lab, he would be like, turn the shit off, and he'd put on the hair soundtrack. And go like, we gotta make the drums sound like this. <laughs> I remember he played us P- Pagliero, who I saw last night. Pagliero, He played Some Sing Some Dance for us, and I thought, this is the fucking greatest song ever. Flaming Lips. This sounds like the fucking Flaming Lips, you know?
0: Yeah. So, uh, there's, like, a lot of people, like, that, you know, don't really get the credit they deserve when it comes to, like, shaping music. Because it's, like, ultimately, like, records, there's, there's so much that goes into making that yeah. artifact. Yeah. You know, the mastering on it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and if one of those people fucks up, it maybe isn't the record it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only people you think of when you look at that record is the band.
1: Yeah, and that was the first time I actually and really... Honest, it was only a- the singer.
0: They yeah think let's be real
1: come on <laughs> come on um yeah but I think I know I know for me I was a production I, I would follow I mean John McIntyre I followed Ellie Kath I played triangle on a record
0: I would go and buy it yeah you but know. you're a rare bird as we've talked about because of like you know your love of music and your appreciation of music and like it's it's different right like not mm-hmm. not everyone's like that mm. I, I think
1: I mean I found a lot of people that were that's how I got a lot of the my friends is that we we would go to shows and stay at the front and watch The Drummer, you know?
0: How many people were in those shows? Like, you know, maybe like 700,000. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, well, I know what you mean. I mean, no. It's like, I mean, it's just like, it's...
1: You gotta get, to you gotta, music. you gotta re... You know, when You Fucked Up comes back, you gotta rejig it. What do you mean rejig You re-jig just gotta rejig, re-jig your... What I do? You're on just stage? doing it for the right reasons. Not what you do on stage, just where your heart goes when you're doing the music. Oh, Forget know. about all the other shit. You you're a love of music. Yes, you can. You can't, can't. Why? You can't. That's not true, man. You can't. No, it's just like, that's what
0: anxiety is. I know what anxiety is, you my know? friend. I know what panic attacks are. Yeah. I sometimes have them for breakfast. I can do it if I smoke weed, and that's why I smoke weed, because to me it's a performance enhancing drug, because it allows me to get past the anxiety of performing. It gets me to get past the the, the. You know, just you, like you of all people up there smashing your head open. Well, that's because those jump. were panic attacks. Like, looking back on it now, I was self harming on stage because I couldn't control the adrenaline. Thank God. Yeah, it paid for this. Well, that's you what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, and I'm. You rip yourself open I, for what you do. Yeah, exactly. And now I enter, like, it's like this weird conundrum where I'm like, I would, you know, obviously I've battled mental health issues my whole life, mm-hmm. but. The, the flip side of that is I wouldn't have the life I had mm-hmm. without these mental health issues. Are you kidding me? So it's like, uh, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I, I now kind of love them and accept them. It's still challenging at times to deal with. But but like, I think uh, on stage, it, I was just having these massive panic attacks,
1: mm.
0: you know? And that's probably why, uh, you know, there's probably like a jealousy of people that could enjoy music on stage. You know, I was probably jealous of people that could like get up there and perform and and enjoy the experience because I was getting up there and I would enjoy it. But at the time, it was more like enjoying just the chaos that was like resulting from my actions more than enjoying the experience of playing music. And then there was like a point where that's also the experience of playing music
1: is enjoying the chaos and results of your actions.
0: Yeah. But like if they're if they're just like you bleeding. And like watching people react to your blood pouring out of your head. Yeah, you I know. mean, obviously, I was never into that. But no, and I don't think uh, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I mean, I, and you know, even like now when I go and watch wrestling, and that's where I was taking the inspiration from. Yeah, those course. wrestlers that do it. I'm like, well, that's you know, and I see it when someone does it, and it doesn't mean anything. And yeah. I'm like, oh. But then when you see it as part of a story, you're like, oh, that's why it works in wrestling. <laughs> and when I did it on stage, it was yeah. something different. <laughs> well, don't change the story because you were free up there. Even I, know, if you absolutely. And I, I don't believe ages, me. And I'm still free up free. there. I can still get free up there. And yeah. now because of cannabis, I can kind of enjoy the experience. But there is that purity. I'm sorry. But there is that
1: purity that lives in you or you wouldn't have done any of this. And that purity was the same thing if we go back to the beginning of this fucking thing where you're like, sex is, it ruins your memory. No, you let things take things away from you. You have excuses for why you need things. And that purity is what got you to fucked up in the first place.
0: Yeah. But, you know, like you were saying, you you don't know what you'd be doing if you weren't doing this. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this was, like, the, the goal. Because you were a straight-edge guy when yeah, I met you. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget yeah. that. Like, no, my, my goal... You weren't was, even drinking coffee. No. No, and I still don't drink coffee. Good for you. Um, but my goal was... bad breath. I'm not sure if you noticed. I need some. I need something. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine? What, are you are looking for gum in there? <laughs> no, no, you <laughs> like water. Of course. <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be some Dances with Wolves. Well, what do you think? Over here. <laughs> we can wrap up now. You're gonna no, come... no, no, no. you you going to come back for a part two anyway. No, I'm, I'm into this conversation. Now Let's we're... get back to purity. Let's get back to you. Straight yeah, edge, go. Yeah, no, I... Just, I... <laughs> this face therapy all over again. Come on. Uh, we'll no, for job. me, for me, it's... Uh... It's, uh you know, I, I, I kind of fell into doing this. Like, I was a fan of music, and I'm always, like, a fan, mm-hmm. you know? And I think I would have been content to be a fan of music, but then I fell into being in music, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I was never really pushed to... Like, I always played in bands, but it was more just a sense of wanting to be around it more. Um, and then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like you blink and it's your job. But... I love it, you know, like I definitely appreciate everything that Fucked Up is, and, and I love playing music in the same way that that you do, it's just like if now, it's the live experience, is was something that was always hard to enjoy, in a way, not enjoy, because I always enjoyed it, but to actually like, enjoy it on a happy way, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a happy way, as opposed to like enjoying it as a uh, as a release, a cathartic release, Well, which it is still, but
1: yeah. And I, I completely understand that. And I think sometimes, you're not there for yourself.
0: Could you imagine if you bled on stage? What would happen? If you are there for others. I've bled on stage before. No, but you know? I mean, if like you like come back with a crimson mask, like yeah. you look up, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like Mick Foley, and <laughs> that happened to me when I was in grade two. I I have a scar here that can anytime somebody
1: bumps it, it can just really open. Yeah, dude, why are, like that's your gimmick? I know. You really <laughs> could if I just <laughs> knock it the right way. Um, I think that. You, you know, I, I understand. It. I get. I mean, I'm too much. I'm 41 years old, and the one thing I know, is that I'm too much for, for most. But there's people out there that get it, and there's people out there that understand it. And um, you know, I was warned by a few, you know, very blessed elders that they told me, "Look, you're too much," and. Some people are gonna get it and some aren't, and I, and I struggle to try to not be that way. That's what I have to constantly try to. It's it's it's. I mean, I remember with drinking, I realized at one point every day I was trying not to have a drink, or have three, or have four. It was constantly on my mind. At lunchtime, I'd be like, don't eh, don't 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 have one now. Wait till five o'clock, and then, and then you. Like that scene in that film, Flight. I was starting to walk by the fridge, cause I was bored, mm-hmm. and I was bored, mm-hmm. and I was depressed, and uh, that's just fuck it. Getting drunks, fuck it. That's what what it was becoming. Like fuck it. And obviously, I had money in the bank, and I, you know, I, I just was like, I don't have to show up to a job. Fuck it. Um, and that couldn't last, or it would have ruined my life. But the aspect of that was. There is this purity. There is this, this, this aspect of what really is the child aspect to you that just gets fucking covered in shit. Just absolute nonsense. And w- because we take on, if you're a feeler, you're going to take on everybody's stuff. You're going to be trying to please all everyone you can. And you put yourself in such a vulnerable state almost to the point of wearing diapers that uh, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how much you lose the basic aspect of it's not going to be easy getting up on that stage or it can be a lot easier for some than others but the pure reason you're doing it is because you got something you got something to give to those people that are in front of you whether it's 25 people or fucking 25,000 you're like I have something here I'm not sure what it is. I hope you love it and I think you can be as secure as you want to be in your life. I mean I've just been doing this play every fucking night it has been this has been the the, the hardest thing acting this has been the hardest I wrote the thing and it's still the hardest thing I've ever done the consistency. Of staying within that character, the consistency of not bringing your personal life onto the stage with you, because in music, you know you can.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know
1: the more that fuels, I mean, I I find that music, I could argue, is more damaging to your to your life than it is uh, rewarding at times. If you're really putting it all on the fucking line, I see some people. I don't know how they do it. I'm like, wow, look at you—the house, the kids, the wife—and you're cruising. And then I see people who are fucking, you know, tortured and. They got everything they need and they're not happy. And I'm like, well, I you know, I can understand that. I know it's that stereotype. All you gotta do is YouTube Jim Carrey these days. And you're like, yeah, sure, you can have it all and still you're never gonna be fucking happy. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And I think that the biggest battle is is trying to find that happiness in yourself while you're on stage. And I get it. I just wanted to say to you that I've seen it.
0: No, and I and I definitely you, have experienced it. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: cannabis Booze, whatever. I have all these things we need to get ourselves into the zone. Pills, all these things. You know, we don't want to get Tom Cruise Good Morning America on you, but at the same time, no,
0: it's just cause we lost it. Yeah, no, I I still like it's not like I play every set after smoking cannabis. Did but. I come too hard? No, no, that was that was awesome. <laughs> no, I know, I really appreciate you I just believe sharing. in you. Dude. I believe in
1: you and and, and, and I, I believe in I believe in
0: you know people. Well, I, I always have. I believe in people. This has been amazing. This has been everything I hoped it would be. Really? But one thing. <laughs> yes. We have not talked about okay. the secret wrestling history of one okay. Mr. Kevin Drew. Let's do it. Please. Let's How go. How the fuck did you wind up working for the WWF?
1: I didn't work for the WWF. But I, I ended up working with a production company, pa where they ended up doing uh, commercials for them when they came through with Raw. And what was the other one? Slam Smackdown? Down? Smackdown. But was, did Smackdown come through Toronto a lot? No, I don't think so. I think it was Raw. I, I think it was just
0: Raw. I think it was so before I, Smackdown. Was and, the, I, really
1: and I was a very, 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 very... I mean, I still have a memory of walking through Rosethorn, which is a school that the public school I cut through on my way home from St. Gregory's. At Rathburn and Dundas, and um, the first wrestlers, the first action figures, the big you know the big guys. The I was in grade four. it was Hulk Hogan and Big John Studd. Yeah, and I remember at the time I can't. I think it might have been Andre the Giant, uh, Junkyard Dog, and Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and that was it. Yeah, there was like those were the the figures that you could get. And when King Kong Bundy and Mr. Paul Orndorff came out Mr. Wonderful in action figures a kid at my school showed me because on the back remember that you can look at the action (laughs) figures on the back of the packaging he showed me he's like look and I was just concocting a plan just like Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes how can I convince my mom (laughs) to take me to consumers distributing (laughs) to stand in line you know get the cow fill out the little little form (laughs) and just be there like please God please have King Kong Bundy and I walked home for the half and I circled the block just trying to, I must have been in grade three, you know, trying to figure out how I was going to get these guys for grade,
0: yes, yeah, I, I was in grade three, grade four. You're giving me so many fucking flashbacks to consumer distributing oh, now. Oh, consumer distributing. And then them me? come back, it's like, sorry. It's not here. Not yeah. here. And you're heartbroken. Broken. Heartbroken. Like, it's impossible. I saw some G.I.
1: Joe tears with my oh. brother, my big bro, just like, it's not in. I'm like, oh. Yeah. will you like fill out that form. Yeah. Like, and
0: it's such a weird concept for a store now.
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of was the first. It's not that different than online shopping. It is, but except you had to go to the store. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and wait
0: for them to. But you, you didn't. You weren't
1: allowed to walk around. <laughs> you and weren't allowed to look at the shit. You know, they no, they just had it in the back. Yeah, yeah. and they reel it out. So, so religiously into wrestling, like it was just the greatest thing ever, and um, I followed it quite. You know, I I was through the Hulkamania years, the Roddy Piper and Andre the Giant. You know, Princess Bride. Two reasons I wanted to see that because one, I was into that soap opera Santa Barbara and I I would have like babysitters come over and and watch it with me after school and there's this wonderful beautiful woman on it that I just every day wanted to go and watch her again and her name was Robin Wright and then she was in this film called Princess Bride with Andre the Giant and I thought to myself are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding. So that was a wonderful thing, but we 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 went to a few wrestling matches at Maple Leaf Gardens and uh it was stunning and I in and, and you know I would watch the cartoon with with my brother Saturday mornings. I had the soundtrack I am a real American. <laughs> love the the Goonies. Yeah. The Goonies video with with uh, Captain Lou. Captain Lou Obano. and I love that Cindy Lopper was somehow involved. Yep. Rock and wrestling. Yep. Yeah, it, and it just it was so much fun, and then they just kept pumping out the the action figures. And I remember my my friend Carlos had the the cage.
0: Yeah, the steel cage, the oh, blue cage, the oh big blue my cage.
1: God, he was so popular. I would go over his house. <laughs> Can I play? And and the uh, paint
0: would all rub off him too. Whenever. whenever oh yeah, we had the paint would man. just go. Yeah,
1: that they were not built. No, to, they were not built f- to last, um but. It was an exceptional time. So, cut to many, 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 many years later, I fortunately, I think I did about four com- commercials. Um, and, and I was fortunate enough to hook up with some people that, that uh, took me in without really many credentials or anything in the film world. And I just started PAing for them. And, and this was not too far. I'm, I, I remember we released You Forgotten People. And I still did a couple of these these gigs, because I loved working the WWE. We have to say gigs. <laughs> and two incidences that I'll remember because we were allowed to eat and with that. And obviously I wasn't really up to speed with all the wrestlers and who was the what. But I remember one time being at the ring, and I I, I got through the talkie like you got to run back. I Had to run back and grab something and bring it back to set really quickly, which was right around the ring. So I'm whipping down. And this is ACC now. And I'm whipping. I come around a corner. And I've never in my life... I came around the corner and I just found myself scooped up. Still running. Pinned against a wall. And I kind of come to... Just in the aspect of what's happening. And it's this huge security guard. And then there's the rock. And I just was kind of like... Oh, and then there's a couple other guys there. And I went, Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm on PA. Uh, I'm on the commercial. And, and I, I realized my whatever my past yeah. was underneath my jacket and I show them and I remember The Rock was like dudes you know trying to like, calm down and he looked at me looked sorry and, <laughs> and I, I thought, oh my god that's the future president of the United States you're so lovely that's the future president and I from that point on became a fan of his and I watched every goddamn film of his including the tooth fairy on an airplane because of that little incident we had we sh- exchanged a moment where he kind of apologized and, and then the other moment that happened was um I was standing in a hallway, and then suddenly there was someone talking behind me, and I couldn't see them. I was facing the other direction, and my body started to quiver, and I felt very cold. And I, 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 I thought, "There's evil in this room," and I turned around, and it was Vince McMahon, and I just thought, "Spider Sense was tingling." That is very, the energy that was coming off him, I just left. Well. Yeah, we were in the middle of shooting, and I went, I'll be outside. Yeah. <laughs> I don't He's need... He's got a presence. That was strange. I really thought, like, fuck, the devil comes in suits these days. <laughs> so, uh...
0: But, yes, I, um... I mean, if you want to quiz me on any, uh... No, I don't. Know. I just wanted to get that on the record out there for people to know that Kevin Drew... One time, you nearly really took out the rock. I I The rock had yeah. to get a security guard to deal with you. Well, it happened so fast. I mean No, they, that's how I tell it. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. got
1: to deal with Kevin. Well, <laughs> I will I I will say that, that my death will There was a time where I thought I'm going to die at the hands of a security guard. I've had more fights with security guards in my life all across this world touring than I ever had. Like that's I just the- I just and my brother warned me he said just please you know he would always reference stand by me because the river phoenix character you find out in the end dies because he was breaking up a fight mm-hmm. and he got stabbed mm-hmm. and my brother always brought as a, through my life has always brought that up he's like don't be the guy that breaks up the fight and gets stabbed because i was always the guy who broke up the fight i was always the guy who challenged the bullies and all that shit and,
0: but how can you not like how can you sit by and watch something? no you can't yeah you can't because then you can't live with yourself after you no know? but and, it's like a, but and it's that a real was the risk- hardest
1: thing about well, the, those security guards too because they're way bigger oh no 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 you know some uh, there's, I've, and you know what the biggest time that ever happened was in New York at, at uh, a siren festival it was the hottest day in history of New York ever mm-hmm. um, and we played this festival and I remember I just met the beach house uh, I just met the guys from Beach House you know Victoria and Alex and I I, I remember they were there because I remember Victoria coming because we got off stage and they turned off all the lights and there was just like 12 security guards walking around going go, go, you gotta go, you gotta go and we had just finished Yeah. and I said we're in the band and they're like oh that's cool and but by the seventh time someone told me to leave I fucking lost it I lost it to the point of I remember Victoria coming up to me putting her arm in me saying Kevin you got it and I couldn't calm down and then I had all of them right in front of me and uh i was freaking out and they were they were they were ready to go and i even said to one guy I said do it go for it do it your life is going to change as soon as you touch me your life is going to change and uh there was some arrogance in that room and um i remember saying they said this is how it is i said i play festivals all over the world you you know, this is not how it is. You don't get off stage, have the backstage lights off, and have people yelling at you to leave. You know, I understand this is getting shut. So it started to become heated in, in a kind of like a dick-to-dick dick, dick kind of way. And then a cooler came in. Some guy just came in, and some security guy said, Kevin, what is it? Like, what is wrong? And I said, I don't want to be yelled at, and da 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 And then I never had it ever happen to me before. This guy just cooled me down, cooled them down, and the next thing you know, I said, "Okay, look, I'm sorry. I apologize if I'm being arrogant. I just..." And then the guy who was gonna punch me, you know, we were we shook it out and we left, and everybody was just like, "This is the hottest day we've ever felt in our <laughs> lives." So,
0: but I, I did sense that. Did the cooler look like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse? No, there's nothing cool
1: about altercations. If you can just, I I mean, look. Obviously, you can't stop things from happening, but when that cooler came and reminded me that that's kind of who I was, yeah, you know, and now I'm on the other side. That's who you wanted, the rock and roller guy who's like, "Fuck, don't fucking tell me what to do," you know. I I did not want to be in that position, and but it's hard when you get off. You got that adrenaline. No, it's difficult. Yeah, and you, you know, it's people. I want more novels about the constipation of rock and roll, and they're coming out. And I like that the stereotype in the history of all the glam and rock and drugs and all that shit just bury that shit because that's not how it is. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to explain that to some people because you're living your passion. So mm-hmm. you're just supposed to be grateful at every turn. But at the you know with the sill at the same time it's a job and you got you got your own personal battles of how you're gonna get through it. And there's. N- Yeah, and it's like... And it keeps you young in an immature kind of way. In a very immature, yeah. Very immature kind of way. So you have to constantly be checking yourself that you're growing up still. Yeah, you... uh,
0: Someone told me once, and I wish I could remember who it was so I could credit it, but you stop maturing at the age that your band becomes a full-time job. Yeah. And that's really where you are going to be because, you know, then you're in this bubble. And it's not necessarily like a, a... You know, it's like, as you say, it's not sex, drugs, and rock and rolls, it's yeah. like cramp vans and porta-potties. Yeah. But it's still a bubble and it still keeps you, like, you know, you. sometimes, like, I remember blinking my eyes one time in a band and being like, that's fucking five years that just went yeah. by? Yeah. Holy shit, that was five years. Yeah. And you don't know because you're, like, in cycles. And you know, and
1: you're, you're... I don't even drink. You're constantly in bars, you're constantly yeah. out partying, yeah. you're constantly speaking, and it's lovely. But you have to... There's a responsibility to it if you want to make it your life, and I do. I, I love playing, and I love my family and I love the people. but um yeah, you you, uh, you gotta you to gotta stay on top of maturity while this is happening. and I think that that's what I don't really like about the times right now is that so much, so much music and musicians and just artists in general are being dismissed. That it's hard. I I don't want to be part of that crew. The 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 aspects of anyone can do anything in this today's day and age is a little daunting to those who have lived and died by the sword of their own. What they're holding, Mm -hmm. the sword that they hold, Mm -hmm. and um, the distinction of of individuality is so important, but so much more difficult and it makes you it's funny people always say why do you reference you mean i was 40 when i was 36 people say How old are you i'm like i'm 40 <laughs> and it was only because i didn't get it you know i i understand it a little bit more but i really didn't understand it and i have and and life's about the people around you because they're going to influence you and um i try to explain this because nights just get lost staring at photographs or sentences and when this turnaround happens because it's coming where do you want to be? Which side do you want to be on? I want to be on the side that is pushing for it, is pushing to kill the addiction of FOMO and what's going
0: on and all this information that we don't need. But then we're part of it. Like we're still making content. Mm-hmm. Right now mm-hmm. we're part of the problem with this podcast. Mm-hmm. Well that's most things are a contradiction in
1: things that you believe in, and that's a difficult pill to swallow once you understand that mm-hmm. you know what you believe in politically or the hypocrisies that you see in the world, you are a part of those hypocrisies so it it comes down to the decision of how much and how you handle it and how you want to live through it and what you give back and in the essence of where we're headed in these times and I believe in this 100% the rock stars are going to become the social workers where the aspect of what popularity is going to need to shift to is no longer celebrating so much art and all this but the actual actions of helping people that's what's going to start to become the currency of this is what's going on because more than ever we're going to need it and Community centers, like you, I heard you mention earlier, before when we were talking, things like this are going to start to become havens and thrive. And uh, political leaders, are, they'll they'll always be who they are. But but this year it ended with with who got into office in America. It ended. Mm. So that means okay, anyone can do this. So what's next? We have to do something else, and that's going to be in the power of building uh, platforms to help people because we need it. And the population's huge, and we need it. And I think that that's where you're going to find a lot of celebrities. The popular culture is going to eat itself out because they're just not going to have anything else. It's going to just be too hollow for even the hollowest of hollows. And uh, people are going to be turning. They're going to need something to give them something more because they're going to realize they've rotted a lot of their spirit by screens and by... Information that really has no need to be in their brain and the only way to come back from that is to help and you can either kill yourself or you can go get help and then help others and uh, This world is not cold this world is fucking beautiful and it's dying But it's always been dying and one of the most beautiful things is dying. So It's just what side do you want to be on? I've always said that and I think that where we're headed in a society and I definitely want to be at the forefront of it, is helping and make
0: that what popular should be focusing on. Kevin, dude, this was amazing. <laughs> Let's do. Uh, we come back on sometime. Yeah, I find. Uh, yes, of course. I I, I I really feel like this you, was you for tapped, us. You but... tapped out at forty eight minutes. Wow! And now it's an hour and thirty seven minutes later. Oh my God! Really. <laughs> Well, that's because it's us hanging out. <laughs> that's what I, that's what these podcasts, that's why you got to find the podcast that agrees with you. And you just sort of put it on and people listen to it. Yeah. And you but it's like but you get if you can find people talking about a subject that you care about, it's just amazing because you get lost in these conversations. It can be a really profound conversation or it could be a really asinine conversation that you just kind of like.
1: I don't even know what
0: we, you know, what was this conversation? We were just shooting the shit. We started talking about punk and then this is where it took us. Oh. That's, so, that's the whole concept behind my podcast. You got to listen to more episodes. I know. I'm Which sorry. ones have you listened
1: to? I can't even remember. I came over here too thinking, you know what? A, a, a better man would at least do some investigating on his friend's no. podcast. But I've been so busy, Damien,
0: that I just sort of. That's why I said, let me push it, because this weekend I could have, on Sunday... No, this is this is awesome. This is what this is kind of like what this podcast should be. Like, I had, you know, Chris Murphy showed up with notes. Oh, really? And then he's like, and then I'm like, dude, don't. Like, it's not like that. Like, I wanted a yeah. free-flowing conversation. Then he put away the notes, and it was awesome. We were just like... Oh, he's so funny. Vibe and, oh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. Do <laughs> you know about the... Uh... <laughs> I'll tell <take> you this all. <laughs> Let's get out of here. All you right. Can tell me. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show. Now, Kevin will, will of course, be back for multiple, multiple parts in the future. Now that we've broken the ice, we will be able to get many more episodes with Kevin down the road. I hope. Because I had a fun time doing that one. Speaking of fun times, I hope you're all having a very fun holiday. Even if you don't celebrate this time of year. Hopefully you got some time off. And you can enjoy some, uh, you know, some time to catch up on some reading. And if you are catching up on some reading, or maybe you didn't get a gift that you really wanted, or you've got gift cards you need to spend, let me tell you what I recommend you pick up: Matinee All Ages on the Bowery, NYC, 1983 to 1985, photographs by Drew Carolyn. It's a an incredible book an incredible document of the New York scene in a, kind of an underdocumented period, 83 to 85, but like these this is an amazing photo project. He set up a mobile studio on the Bowery and documented kids lined up to go into CB's and it's awesome. I really recommend you pick up this book. So much so that Drew Carolyn will be on the show next week. It's a great one. We talk about a lot of cool stuff. Drew has had a lot of interesting careers in music, you know, and a lot of different kind of paths taken at different times. But we talk a lot about this photo project and I, once again, cannot stress enough, pick up this book, Radio Rahim, put it out and, uh, get it, get it. That's it. All right. Enjoy the rest of the holiday. If you celebrate it, uh, if you don't celebrate it, enjoy hopefully some time off. Uh maybe see that new Star Wars. I saw it. I thought it was all right. People hate on it. That's fine. I don't care. Don't give a fuck. I liked it. Uh And that's, yeah, that's about it. I guess, uh ooh, we got some incredible stuff coming up in the future. Tristan has been really, you know, busting ass trying to get some guests lined up and, oh my gosh, I've got some, I got th- three or four huge ones just recorded. So that is all in the new year. We got a big new year. This is going to be, you know, 2017, Turned Out a Punk, you know, we had a we had some great stuff happen. Vans came on board, had some incredible guests. But, you know, unfortunately I had to do, well, not unfortunately, but I was doing this TV show. So Turned Out a Punk kind of fell a little bit, uh, you know, by the wayside. You know, not completely, never completely. I love this thing, never going to let it go completely. But, you know, I had to kind of, you know, work on some other stuff for a minute. 2018, all about taupe all about fucking taupe. We're going to grow this thing this year. Uh, That's it. All right. I will see you next week on the show. Thank you, everyone. Go out there and make your own culture. Anyone can do this. And uh, that's it. All right. Love you. Bye.